So welcome to the Pilot Podcast. This week, we have a special episode. Today, we're joined by Amalia Holm from the new series, Motherland, Fort Salem. Welcome, Amalia. We're so excited to have you join us today. Hi, I'm very excited to join you. Thanks for having me. Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? I'd love to. I'm Amalia Holm. I'm 24 years old from Norway slash Sweden. And I just joined uh, my first American series as a series regular on Motherland Fort Salem, which has been an amazing adventure that I can't wait to continue. I've previously, I've been uh, a working actress since I was, uh, well, since I finished high school, basically, that's how I'm supporting myself. And well, I've been active in the Swedish, Scandinavian slash European market, where which is much, much smaller than the American. So in that way, I've been able to gather some experience in these few years. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. I also study at the Swedish Defense University, um, where I'm um, just about to complete my bachelor in social science and security policy. Oh, wow. Yeah, which connects very well to motherland. Everything just fell in place. Awesome. So speaking of motherland, how was that transition to doing an American television show? And what differences did you notice from your previous projects? I must say that the most like the biggest change or difference is, of course, the scale of production, the budget. Um, I'd say that most of the projects I've been involved with in American terms would be considered like small indie projects, whereas in Scandinavia, they're like national television, big projects. Um, so that's a huge difference. Also, I grew up watching American television. That's how we all learned English over here. And therefore, it's uh, it's still kind of unbelievable to be part of it and to to be behind the scenes of a production that big uh, with trailers and everything. We don't have that over here. And also a different thing. I mean, if we're not going to just look at the like uh, idealizing uh, parts would be that it's much more hierarchical than in Sweden uh, or in Scandinavian productions. And I guess that's also, um, also has to do with the scale of it. Because when it's smaller, you just, there's a lot of, um, we're in this together, let's just give it our all, even though we're not maybe paid for overtime or things like mm-hmm. that. And the conditions aren't as well, or like the stunt work isn't in place. That's usually something that can happen in a smaller production and you're not really safe all the time, but you're just so in it and it's your family. So you just go for it. And that was a huge difference. I mean, also just the fact that in the US, it's there's such um focus on safety and uh, there's been a really like bump up in terms of protection against sexual harassment and information about that and what you do mm-hmm. with it and that's just incredible to to see how it's put in place and with intimate coaches and uh, an enormous and very professional stunt team that would take care of us and was there any different in the audition process uh yes i uh, auditioned through a self tape from Sweden and uh, well in Sweden I, I know basically know the casting agents and directors because it's such a small uh, acting community um, so throughout these years and since I live in Stockholm where they're most of them are based I know them sort of uh, whereas LA and the US it's just it's not really been a real world to me or my friends over in Sweden like we all we all been like for a few years now sending out these self-tapes just out in the world and I'm just that's been my in a way sends my education like 300 self-tapes whereas of, uh-huh. of which a few lead to uh, callbacks a few leads to screen tests or meeting with producers but very very seldom anything more than that 
So when I got the screen test from Motherland, that was very unreal. <laughs> like it, it never, I, it's like I, I didn't, do, I mean, I always do my best in soft tapes, but it doesn't really feel like anyone's ever going to watch them um, because it's just so far away and you don't meet the person and such. So, I mean, that's a big difference in, in the audition process. And also the fact that the screen test, we, we don't really do that here. We, we Sometimes in Sweden, you could have a, a very long audition process um, and you go back and forth because you're close by and you're able to mm -hmm. just meet them and you meet with the director. The director has a lot uh, more to say in Sweden, I'd say, or like in smaller productions. Whereas for Motherland, the screen test was like getting into a room, a, a small auditorium, and doing that scene in front of very big people in suits. Nerve Intimidating. <laughs> yes. Or exciting. True. <laughs> and it was just so much fun because all of a sudden it was sort of like a little stage and you're supposed to do on-camera acting, but on a stage. And that was, uh, I think that added to the excitement as well. Oh, nice. And so we also know this isn't your first show where men are kind of given a secondary role in the world. How does this compare to the other project you worked on in De La Deval, which was more of a love story? I love your pronunciation of that. Oh, no. <laughs> How was it? <laughs> oh, it was so sweet. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, well, the Swedish way you would say it is en dialadvad. Oh, wow. I was very off. En dialadvad. En dialadvad, yes. But it was uh, very different because in en dialadvad, en dialadvad, uh, <laughs> you, um, I'd say that the, there's sort of a morale in the story. In 2015, when it got out, um, feminism was really in like a big topic in, in national politics. And there was a feminist party with a very strong and feminist profile leader. And so in, in the Aladvad, there's very like many similar similarities between the party in the series and the party in Sweden, like the national party. And then this is a spoiler alert, but in that one, uh, the leader of that party is actually the main villain, just mm. purposely causing the extinction of men or hurrying it up because she believes that women can live on without men. So all these um, movements to keep the men from extinctions are sabotaged, in a sense. Uh, whereas in Motherland, it's not a, a morale that is the world would be better or it would be worse or feminism is this or that. It's just, in a, in a sense, a much more, what do you say? Yeah, just a, an alternate universe, one-gendered world kind of fantasy. So, yeah, I'd say that that's the biggest difference. Because in, in the Aladvad, there's not uh, an alternate universe in, in, in any other sense than a virus spreading and how that will affect how we coexist. So in that sense, it's also relevant today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So where did you find your inspiration for your role in Motherland? Because she's dark and she's complicated and we've recently gotten more of a sense of her backstory. Where do you pull that from? Well, to play Scylla was an absolute privilege and it was so much fun because I've always wanted to play the villain. Uh, and it's not in many stories that the villain can be so sweet. Like it doesn't, it doesn't come across that often. So in that sense, this was just my dream role or is. And uh, I just, um, 
really like to explore the flirtatious parts of her and the sensuality because I I've not done many parts like that before and I can be pretty shy in those aspects of my own life so to just play around with that was a lot of fun and I guess my inspiration for that would be like men and women that I've seen really own those uh, those means or those tools to persuade or seduce um, people like you know keeping the eye contact or a lingering look or like a mysterious smile and just to play around and see what 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 will get someone interested but most of all I would say I played so much with just trying to get Taylor's attention a Taylor Hickson plays Rael Collar who's my love interest and uh, just in every scene we would not talk it through too much because we didn't want to get too involved in each other because as our characters are falling in love. We are also getting to know each other. Uh, and I love that approach from both of us because we weren't supposed to have a history together. We were supposed to be getting to know each other. So uh, that was very organic in that sense. So my goal was just like, how do I get her to smile? How do I keep her look? How do I keep her like her the eye contact or throw her a little off just um, in the sense that Sola would throw real off? Uh, but of course, everything uh, that is like about touching and such would always be uh, with consent and that we would ask each other and beforehand, like, is this okay with you? And well, how do you prefer me to? And where can I hold you? And things like that. That's such a fascinating strategy that you two tried not to over discuss it so that you could get to know each other as your characters got to know each other because your chemistry is so strong. You believe it when you two, you know, make eyes at each other. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm happy uh, that it seemed to have worked. Uh, I mean, it's a pretty bold move if it wouldn't have worked, <laughs> which just could have been like a total disaster and nobody would have bought it. But um, yeah, there was something in that that just we didn't. I mean, because sometimes when you play best friends or family with someone on screen, you want to get to know them, like really get to know them so that you can have a common body language or common like gimmick or things like that. Whereas mm. when you're falling in love, it's the opposite. You just want to discover something about the other person. So if you have a scene where you're looking into, like, admiring each other, it was so much fun to just explore her face in that scene. Like, on, like while shooting, I'm discovering um, who she is and what she looks like and what I like most about her and just trying to feel that. That's really beautiful. Where do you see your character going next? How much do you feel comfortable sharing? Oh, and are we talking next from episode three or from the season? Oh. From episode three or the season, whatever whatever you feel comfortable sharing. We, in this latest episode, listeners, as background, we've gotten a little more information on how you came to join the spree. And I think lends to that tension that is in the show where... It's not completely black and white. There are complicated reasonings behind the actions of both the witches representing the nation and also this group, the Spree. That's um, the exact analysis I would do of the episode two and, and where we are in the story. And what I can share with you is that Scylla and also me coming in as Scylla um, was like right off the start, very convinced that this military system isn't really uh, for the benefit of the witches. There's an exploitation, there's limits to to what extent they are allowed to exist. And that's only on the premise that they are giving their lives for the country that used to persecute them. And yeah, there's a something that's very often that in mine and Sela's opinion. A, a very big 
level to explore Priscilla or a space in her head is to more understand Alder's um, general Alder and the system's motive, trying to understand that they're not only evil. Um, so I would I would argue from another perspective that rather than the girls or the the establishment understanding the motives of the spree and of Scylla and her Dodger background, her background of being an outcast in society, growing up really as an outcast, being uh, followed and uh, threatened by uh, the military and the state uh, of things. She also has to uh, to broaden her perspective in the motives behind, yeah, behind behind uh, the state of things. And um, other than that, she's a, a very passionate uh, character and all, and you could call her a little naive, but I'd say that she's a passionate person that is open to new experiences and is very much about, like, really, really invested in doing the right thing. And so far, her analysis, or according to her analysis, she's doing the right thing in helping the spree. And if you're a person who's very invested in doing the right thing, it's very dangerous if you don't start to self-reflect on mm-hmm. where you're going with that and who you're aligned, who you're aligning yourself with, who your allies are. And so I'd say that uh, we're going to see to still explore all of those things, but also under the um, overwhelming experience of falling in love. Okay. So she has her point of view on how to fix the world, but she is open to some other viewpoints and might shift a little bit as the season goes on um yes i think that's how how we as, as i mean sh- she'll trust you if you deserve to if you show that you're you're worthy of it so openness uh, a sense of being a, a searcher a seeker seeking for the truth seeking for the right path to do the best for the world um and then as i mean an extreme group as a spree tends to get very dogmatic or radical and that can lock you out, like lock out your, your sense of being open to alternate explanations. And I'd say that when Scylla is at Fort Salem, um, it's easier to open up for alternate explanations of the truth. Okay. Seems like the future for Scylla is going to be pretty exciting. I know you can't tell us everything, but I think you're hinting at something. Yes, I may be. <laughs> <laughs> So we also noticed that you've done work on feature films like The Girl in the Spider's Web and Elena. So what were those experiences like and how does that compare to doing television? Actually, it's so funny that you asked about The Girl in the Spider's Web because that was in the spring of 2018. And I did one day on that film. uh, And it was uh, the last day of shooting and it was a major film. And when they had like four days in Stockholm, I jumped in and did a um, a small role that was edited away in the final product. But the money I made that day for that day only is exactly what the money I used to fly myself to LA for the screen test for Motherland. Wow. Because they told me or my management that they would only, um, they wouldn't fly anyone in for the screen test. So if you were in LA, you could come in. Otherwise you'd do it over Skype. And we just decided that I'm flying myself in and we'll say she's there. Um, so I actually took the, like, it was in my, in my budgeting. I was like, that money goes there. So it was, it's funny how those things connected, even though I was edited out of the movie. Uh, and it was just, I was supposed to be in the final scene, just flirting with the, uh, with the main guy, Sverre Gudnason. Mm-hmm. But it was a great experience. It was uh, such a lovely team and they really included me, even though I was just there for a day. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was my first time in a trailer as well. <laughs> 
So that was fun. It was just, yeah, um, such a huge, huge production too, of course. And Alena was a completely different experience. That was my first lead and I was uh, 19 years old. And I remember I like my second day of work, I had a little breakdown because I was trying to do like everyone's part. I, I didn't understand really the concept of like someone else tying my shoelaces. Like, I'm sorry, I can't let you do that. And they're like, please let me do my job. <laughs> I'm like, okay, sorry. This is like, I just wanted to help. Um, or like I would get very stressed out when uh, people had to wait for me because I felt like they were waiting for me uh, when what was happening was just like, okay, the lead is in costume, the lead is in makeup, the lead is in at lunch. So it was just like, you know, the the way business works in a big production but just accepting that I was the lead that's something that I have a very hard time with because uh, I always feel more like a crew member um and like I'm I'm part of something and I'm, I'm waiting for other people so when I'm put in that position to be the one to sometimes even call shots and of course um it's up to me to say like uh guys I'm really freezing now but that doesn't come naturally to me so I think that was that was a big challenge, um, but it was an amazing experience, and it was also it was, I mean, the production value, it was very low budget. It was supposed to be just for like a one hour TV movie, but we managed to do a whole feature film. And I think much credit to the cinematographers Simon Olsen, who just made it look amazing, and then also they added incredible original um, score, like um, the music of the movie um, made it. So good, and also costumes did wonders. Uh, in Sweden, we don't have like we don't have boarding schools really in that sense, and especially not all female boarding schools. Um, so that was also just incredible to see how they created that universe, and it's all based on a comic book. But uh, for the movie adaptation, they changed the fact and they took out all men. And <laughs> I don't know, that's something that's uh, following me throughout my career. <laughs> People want to see me in feminist, like dystopias and utopias. <laughs> um, so yeah, they, they uh, made it into uh, a lesbian love story rather than a heterosexual one, uh, which was incredible to see because part of it was also supposed to be there's uh, a scene of sexual harassment in that film. And it was um, like uh, a male bullying gang that would gang up against her and like push her into, in, to the, like in the wardrobes where they, after they had a practice of lacrosse. And to me, it was, it was pretty new to be part of a movie where women were both protagonists, villains and everything in between. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think that added depth and representation in the experience. I really like that. Uh, about the film. And with taking on a lead role and kind of getting used to that, did it help build your confidence as an actor or help you kind of recognize your own skills? Definitely. I'd say that um, before that film, um, I was very, like, I, I, my hobbies have been like um, volunteering or being active in NGOs uh, and, and like student unions and stuff. So I always naturally took on some sort of like, uh, group leader role in different ways or um, supporting a group or very a lot about being a part of a group and trying to see what's the best for the group and so I think what happened in my mind when I took on a lead especially was that I thought like how am I gonna maximize the uh, performance of the group whereas that's not my job 
uh, at all. <laughs> I'm just supposed to be there, do my part, of course, collaborate with all my uh, team members and cast members, but not in that sense. I'm not responsible for anyone else. And I think just the shift in like realizing that, oh, I can use all that energy in deepening my character work was amazing. And it's still kind of the spell that uh, draws me to this uh, field of work. And I, and I also feel like that's a new sense of leadership. That's like, I'm taking on my task as good as I can. And I put all my energy into doing my task as good as possible. And then I'm expecting the rest of the people to do the same rather than trying to get into people's business and fix things and, and do that. So I'd say that that's been very rewarding uh, in a sort of, in a way of growing as an actor and as a team member. Awesome. And so we've also learned that you speak several languages, Swedish, Norwegian, German, and English. Do you find being multilingual helps you with your acting? That's such a great question. I actually do, yeah, because um, sometimes when I get stuck on a line uh, or it doesn't it doesn't get into my head as easy as I would want it to, especially if like the rest of the dialogue is super easy because it's so well written and it just sticks right away. And then a sentence doesn't then I'll just read it in all those different languages and try to get it into my like linguistic memory in a sense and be like, oh, well, if I say it like that, then it sticks in that sort of sense memory because um, these languages are very different to me, like emotionally, I'd say. Uh, Norwegian is from um, my first years of life and I have all my father's family over there and they're Christian and I have like my my Christian belief from them. so. I'd say that there's nostalgia to Norwegian to me and a child's language. So if I'm, I'm approaching like a softer side, I can always go to Norwegian or innocence. And then English is something I've learned to be able to go out in the world. And it's what I was taught in, in high school. And it's always been a, a language of function rather than emotion. Um, and of course, as it's growing, it's now been attached as well to ex amazing experiences. My visits to New York or LA, and now also my work experience in English. Um, I did a series called Playground. Uh, that was a mini action series. Uh, that was an American French production, but it was filmed in France, and everyone spoke French, but it was in English. So it, it was just yeah, English is such a uh, amazing language in my life because it's what I'm using to communicate with people that I wouldn't have been able to communicate with if not. Um, it's been very f functional and in that sense it's romantic. I don't know if that sounds very contradictive but there's something about um, English is a bridge to me whereas Norwegian for example is like my childhood home and Swedish is um, the language I think in I'd say most of the times and German is uh, German is just like, I'm just uh, so happy to have a, some German uh, knowledge because I, to me, it's, it's a very impart, important part of European history in a very complex way. And I feel like knowing that language, I can get closer to some literature and some experiences of people that are very relevant in today in terms of like prohibiting uh, fascism and tyranny and uh, exploitation and racism and uh, anti-semitism and such and also i mean it's a great source of a lot of cultural uh, like uh, masterpieces and play um 
I was actually hired as a, this is a little embarrassing, but I'm, I'm sharing it now. I was hired as a, a guide in the Swedish museum. That's like a big ship uh, that has mostly German visitors. But um, my conversational skills are great in German. My grammar, not so much. Um, so it has to be sort of like, it has to be a good flow. Like there has to be a good conversation going and then I'll be sort of fluent and like good pronunciation and such like that. But, um, when it comes to like much demanding high maintenance, uh, tourists from Germany that are expecting a lot of you, the grammar, not so much. So I kind of ended up just being a guide in English and Swedish. German is a tough language to feel out. It's so, I studied it in college and there's so much rote memorization and in Spanish and in romantic languages, you think, okay, if this ends in an A or an E, a specific article typically goes with that in German, maybe emblematic of the culture. Cause I lived in Berlin for a little bit. It's just <laughs> by the rules. That's it. There's no rhythm to it or anything for the most part. It's just rote memorization, but it is, it's such a beautiful language and culture. It's just very hard to get right. Indeed. Indeed, yeah. Most of the time, you just had to throw yourself out there and not be too scared to offend someone with the wrong preposition. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, this is kind of inspiring me to study some languages again. I've forgotten all the Spanish and Italian I once knew. <laughs> well, I mean, you go, you went for both Spanish and Italian. Isn't that like? Isn't that much harder? Because they're pretty alike in a sense. I did them one after another, and them being so similar does. It makes it easier and harder. You pick up on it quickly, but then you start to blend them together right. and <laughs> that can become a problem. I wonder, are Italian and Spanish people offended if you like mix them? Yes. Oh, yes. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> so back to your acting career, have you ever thought about doing any work behind the camera in terms of directing or producing or writing? Mm, well, Yes especially in Alina, but also the feature film I did before that called The, Jer the Hidden Child. Uh, I just I was mesmerized by the work of the script, um, script supervisor. It's wow. Those minds can hold so many details. And yeah, I would just go in, in my breaks, I would go sit next to the script supervisor. Um, and people are like, well, you obviously like directing. And I'm like, I don't know. I just, this is the cool job. <laughs> like, <laughs> But I'm, I'm guessing that that also comes from um, a sort of sense or like directing uh, visions. I can have an idea of how I want things to be, but I'm, for now I'm very happy with just, you know, I'm not directing myself, but having my own visions and then managing to fulfill those visions is just oh so satisfying. <laughs> and I love when the vision is shared with a director and a writer and a producer, and that's just magic happening. I think that in the long run, I mean, I've, I've written some, outlines for a few short films that are stories very dear to my heart um, and I have an idea for a feature but I'm not in a hurry I'm loving uh, what I'm doing now and also I spent most of my writing time doing academia uh, like papers for my bachelor and um, I, I have a passion for that too social science and law and uh, politics so it's easy to to um, misunderstand what you mean by that. It sounds very vague. Uh, so I'd say policy rather than governance, sort of <laughs> the more nerdy side of it, I guess. Uh, but I just, I wanted to circle back a little to the uh, German part because I, I've actually started one German movie, but it was a movie that was going to be dubbed. 
So I couldn't read my lines in German, but I communicated with the team in German. And then we did the scenes in Swedish. There I could really see what the asset of knowing that language was because uh, there were so many nuances that I could pick up on that would be uh, lost when everyone tried to speak English. Um, so like bringing international teams together is amazing. Um, I just have a, a like very basic love for internationalism and globalism in that sense. And meeting like this, I mean, you guys over there and me. The world can be so flat that we can all connect, I should say. Not that I believe the world is flat. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you balance your studies with all that's going on in your career? Um, well, you know, I get pretty um, restless if I don't do anything. So in a way, I have pretty high work capacity in that. But also, I must say, it's uh, to thank the Swedish university system for because we have free education and you can take your bachelor in 10 years time so I've, I've done my bachelor in four years now instead of three but that would not be possible if I were in England or in many places in the U.S. of course because there's mandatory things whereas our um, instead of having six courses at once you do one at a time so when I'm away at work I just skip a few and then I take them up like half a year later and that's possible. So therefore, I mean, that that helps a lot. But other than that, I am, I, I, I feel like I'm growing out of it. But at least for a few years, I've had like a need to do so many things because I'm excited and passionate about many things. So I try to keep like, all my options open. And now, since a year back, I feel like, wow, this acting thing seems to be going pretty well. So and now I'm kind of more focused on it. And I just want to get get my degree done so I can leave that behind. But I'd say that I, I study when I'm in between work or if I'm at work and we have uh, so much time that I've done all, all I can, like all I can do on my character work and like the work of the story. And I just feel like, well, now let's write something about crisis management. And not to add anything else to your plate, but we saw that you have a strong background in music and singing. Do you have any interest in pursuing that further as well? Um, it's to me, singing is uh, still very much a hobby and not anything that I want to put like the pressure of uh, paying bills with on. Uh, but I've for now, I mean, I have a few songs out that are all been of other people's initiatives, like you record this song for us and stuff like that. And for the German film, there's a song out that I'm doing. I'd love to incorporate it in my work. I'd love to do musical at some point. And um, I really, really love singing and karaoke. <laughs> I mean, that's where I have my outlet these days. <laughs> um, and I play um, like basic skills of violin and piano. So yeah, I'd love to incorporate that uh, in my acting. Uh, but I, I don't see myself pursuing it in any other way and becoming like onstage artist or anything. The other, the, the only thing I have is. On Christmas Eve, I always uh, sing a song to my grandma over the phone because she's in Norway and uh -huh. she has like these special psalms. And I sing it like I sing at family gatherings because they make me <laughs> and I'm not opposed, but I'm like, you have to ask me three times because otherwise I feel like my ego is blowing up. <laughs> I can't just say yes the first time. <laughs> um, and uh, I have this idea. It would be cool to do like jazz versions of old folklore Swedish psalms and like just psalms in general. I think that'd be a cool idea. 
But I mean, now I've said it on a podcast, so anyone can take it. And I think you go, you do it. <laughs> I just wanted to be out there because I just, uh, there's so many uh, nice old lyrics that don't go, like they never go out of uh, out of fashion. So um, yeah, just I love new adaptions of old things. That's really beautiful. So BJ and I also saw that you have lots of fun outdoor habits like cross-country skiing. BJ and I recently learned how to ski two months ago. We took a class for people seven years old and up. Wow. And we were the star pupils in that class. I should, you're not supposed to insert yourself in your interviews, but I do want to make that clear. <laughs> I mean, round of applause. Jazz hands for you. Thank you. Silent applause. <laughs> <laughs> What are some of your other favorite outdoor hobbies? How did you build that interest? I mean, just like with Norwegian, I'm I'm a very nostalgic person, so sometimes I I do things like out of nostalgia, but then when I'm once I'm doing them, I'm I love it. Um in Scandinavia, there's like a very strong culture of outdoors um activities. So, um I learned to cross country ski when I was like 3 years old and before that, I was just like lying in a sleigh that was dragged behind my my parents as they were cross-country skiing and like that's your equivalent of like taking a walk in Norway and um you always have your little like you you pack your food and then you like if you have the tools for it you can just like make a little couch out in the snow because there's so much snow in my childhood that is there's not as much snow anymore fortunately uh, but I'm happy to have experienced it other than that cross-country uh, downhill I love downhill and I love exper- like experimenting with different versions of it. There's um, a skiing type called Telemark where which is like uh, the combination of downhill and cross country. So your your it's called your heel is loose but you're going down so it's like it's just the best or the worst uh thigh workout. Like <laughs> I can't I can't keep up with my like younger siblings when they are on, on regular like slalom skis. Uh, but did you guys go downhill or cross country? Downhill. And we were very sore afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> they told us to lean forward and that's how you stay safe. So I never unflexed my body. I just stayed in that leaning position the entire time. I noticed even when I was walking around, I would crouch and lean. I think because I was so scared. But, you know, we didn't hurt ourselves. And it was it was the best worst uh, thigh workout for sure. I bet. I mean, that's very like that's very good of you because I feel like leaning forwards is so counterintuitive when you're going downwards. You're just like you want to lean back, <laughs> but that's very dangerous, as I told you. So, so that's impressive that you managed to keep that discipline. Oh no! Anything the instructor the instructor could have said if you pat your head three times before you go down and you won't <laughs> fall, I would have done it consistently. He could have said anything, and I would have been like, sure. And BJ would have folded. I would have. <laughs> That's true. You understand our dynamics well. I do. I think I, I think I, I got a hint of it. <laughs> no, but I, I also am very fond of sailing and uh, windsurfing. I'm very bad in the water, but I'm good on the water. Like, I think I'm a wind person in that sense. So whenever I go to a new country, I want to find a place to windsurf, even though, like, the preconditions aren't as good. I just have to do it. That's also, like, just a hang-up, I guess. But it's also a lot of fun. And also to see like um, just uh, how how fashionable windsurfing is uh, in different parts of the world because to many people it was just like um, a little like thing that happened in the eighties but I think it's still a lot of fun and uh, it's a great workout uh, as well and it can go very fast if you if you learn it right and uh, you don't have to be in the water as much as like swimming and stuff and 
yeah, same with sailing. Like as a kid, I would just, my family would sail and I would sit in the front and just like pretend to be the, I don't know, leader of the, of the ocean, sort of, <laughs> like queen of the ocean and sing all my lullabies to the ocean and like sing to the fishes <laughs> and uh, you got the wind in your hair and it was just, yeah, love that. So I guess that's the sort of experience I'm still uh, trying to get. So do you have any upcoming projects that you can share with our listeners? Well, of course, I do have my fingers tightly crossed for a season two of Motherland. I guess we're finding out uh, very soon. And I'm, of course, open to the fact that it will be delayed in some sense, one sense or another due to the coronavirus. But other than that, I have um, a Scandinavian a series coming out uh, called Delete Me, uh, where I do the lead. And it's centered around high performance, high ambition, uh, synchronized swimming in high school, and also trying to get out of your uh, comfort zone, trying to get, uh, well, give it a shot to go out and be someone you want to be and not the person uh, that you might be tired of, something I think many young adults can relate to. And in that strive, you can really control the outcome of it. So I'd say that probably remind a lot of people of uh, euphoria, in a sense, uh, and the struggles that are posed there. Uh, And it also... um, Involves around uh, a sex tape being leaked and uh, uh, and the fatal aspects of your social life that can happen after that. And it's very visual, um, just like uh, Euphoria in that sense. And it's not shot. It's not even um, you don't watch it in chronological order. So uh, it'll start with the end of it, and then it's sort of also trying to figure out who leaked that video and why. Um, so I'm very excited about that. But that production has, of course, been put on pause. We've done half of it, and we're going to do the rest. Uh, rest of it whenever we can that's in norway so it was my first part as a norwegian speaking part uh which of course as you know by now would tap right into my nostalgia and be like yes really important to my like dual citizenship identity so yeah i have that coming up and yeah i also have a, a series called uh, last days of summer in english but it's in swedish it's called den sista sommaren <laughs> I'm sorry, BJ. I'm too harsh on you. <laughs> it's okay. You want to try to pronounce it? <laughs> yes. I, I, BJ, why don't you try it? Can you say it again, Amalia? Densista somaren. One more time. Densista somaren. Densista somaren. That's so good. Haha. That's good job, BJ. <laughs> wow. Thank I did, you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you nailed the vowels and the R in summaren. That's not very easy for Americans. Actually. Can I do it again? Probably not, but we have it <laughs> recorded. I've done it once. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be there until for eternity. Exactly. You're safe. <laughs> uh, which is a, a mini series, a thriller. Um, I play the lead in that called Nico, uh, who also a little coming of age, but a little older. She's 23 years old and she's bringing her friends from high school to this cottage in the Swedish North where she's very pushy in them having a good time. And you can see that these relationships are kind of over-bloomed, so to say. Um, they should probably not be friends anymore because they're not very nice to each other, uh, but they're still trying to cling, cling on to it. And uh, there's a, a big discovery. Uh, there's a deadly disease that one of them is dying from and how they deal with that and in the lack of uh, trust and uh, just the fact that everyone's just thinking that everyone else is out to get them in a sense. And then all of that is a thriller because it's also intercut with um, like a police hearing 
uh, because one of the girls is missing. And uh, it's all filmed with the uh, found footage grip. So everyone's looking into the camera all the time and one of the characters is filming. Uh, and I love that. It was a unique experience and the result is just like any nothing I've ever seen. Um, so if anyone feels like hacking the Swedish state television, go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Both of those projects sound so intriguing. Yeah. Yeah, they've been very intriguing to me and just so, in a way, very, very uh, different characters. And especially from Scylla as well, uh, something completely different. But in a sense, they are very alike. And I can see that in some sense, I, I have a profile, I guess, for what I'm cast for. And people like to see me go in between um, kind of victim, sensitive, vulnerable, and then kind of super fast going over to the like predator uh, or like um, stand up for yourself, revenge sort of thing. So yeah, I mean, that's very interesting as well in forming a career, like seeing what your pattern is, because you would never figure that out yourself. It's just gonna have to be like, what do they want me in? Um, and I love that letting go of control uh, of, in a sense, I mean, it's, it's super creepy and nerve wracking to not have any control of what you work with or what your future jobs or what your future holds. But it's also just to accept the fact that you can't control it. It's also like giving me harmony, um, in opposite to like what the alternative would be where you have to craft and you have to sort of stake something out and have goals. I'm not a goal setting person. I just do my best in every situation and I try to see where that goes. That's such a wonderful approach. And where can our listeners find you online? Your listeners can find me on uh, Twitter uh, and on Instagram. And I mean, I, I chose a very bad Instagram and Twitter name, but it was fun to me when I chose it. So in Swedish, yes is ja, which you spell J-A. So it's Amalia, yes. That's actually great. And then on Twitter, it's, it's Amalia, yes, yes. So yeah, yeah. And that was just because I thought they were playing with each other. I was like, oh, it's Amalia. Yes. And then it's, uh, oh, there she's again. Amalia. Yes, yes. Like that was my idea behind it. <laughs> I don't know if I'll change it, but that's what it is for now. So Amalia, yeah, yeah. Or in American, ja, ja. It, it doesn't work in English. <laughs> I think it's still great. Yeah. It's fun now knowing the meaning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's, it's going to be fun to see if any of your listeners can like detangle whatever I just said there and <laughs> decode it find me <laughs> and uh, yeah a big shout out to my amazing cast members and colleagues from motherland Elliot Lawrence uh, created this show uh, with the original idea of all female cast no heteronorm just an amazing alternate universe that people should uh, give a chance um, not because of uh, whoever you're quoting, like because of the quotas or whoever's um, in there. I mean, the representation is uh, is very good in many aspects, but that's not why you should watch it. You should watch it because of the uh, heart-wrenching stories and the power struggles that are just mesmerizing. And uh, then it doesn't hurt that it's also all-female, like a uh, pretty diverse cast and uh, better uh, sexual representation that I than I usually come across. Amalia, we wanted to thank you again for joining us. We really enjoyed getting to know you. You've had lots of fun stories, an amazing career. I think I can speak for me too and myself when I say we're excited to see where you're going next. Thank you so much, B2 and BJ. It's been an honor. It was so fun. This is my my first uh, solo interview in English, and I, I think it was a lot of fun. 
Oh, good. I'm glad you had fun. So flattered that you knew so much. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.